0: Show number 44 of Look at His Butt, L.T. and J.K. Talk, Trek. Yes, show number 44 in Cleveland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, folks, you are in for such a show because... We've been knocking back this really, really good wine. It was really good. And we've just been arguing about Lena putting way more in my <laughs> glass than she did in her own, unless she was swilling it while I was cooking.
0: You're just making that up.
1: No, there was a lot more. So I'll be even more ridiculous okay. than usual. And I'm totally relying on you, my friend, to hold this
0: shit All together. Right. Well,
1: that, that's this really- is how drunk we are, people. <laughs> Prior to starting the show, we sat at my kitchen table for 10 minutes talking about how glad we are we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> and that's
0: what you do when you're drunk, right? But, but because we I love
1: you, man. Well, that was
0: the thing. <laughs> I was just going to say that because we're not men, we didn't get to the I love you, man part. <laughs> it was implied. It was implied. <laughs> we did get to the I'm glad you're my friend part. <laughs> we didn't cry. We didn't cry. Because we were too full of food. Yeah. And it's not late enough to cry. Uh, Okay, so let's do a bunch of news. There is so much news. There's so much news. Um, I was ridiculously traveling this week, going to many places, and as I was saying, I was in a car in a room and a plane in a room and a room (laughs) and a room, and I just was totally out of it. So I missed all of this news happening. So this is a good place to start talking about it. I think, number one, most importantly, this was just announced on um, the 19th, that the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences has picked the latest round of inductees to the Academy Hall of Fame and who's on the list who Who could possibly be on this list that would be William Shatner of course and it says in the press release William Shatner who has become the poster actor for second acts having shattered the typecast of Captain Kirk with the equally memorable Denny Crane of ABC's Boston Legal Tuesday nights at 10 Um, alongside him Regis Philbin that one puzzles and, me. And you know, they say that his claim to fame is that he has been on camera for fifteen thousand hours more than anyone else in TV. I was reading that. <laughs> That's kinda weird. Yeah. Um, they mention that um the last group to be inducted and they, they mention here that this doesn't happen every year, so No, they only it's, it's, it's not special. one of these
1: things like, Okay, every year we gotta give a lifetime achievement, mm-hmm. whose turn is it? Who's the oldest, who's about to kick? This is something they only do when they, they really feel a person had made a really important contribution to television. Yeah. And earlier, I was looking at the list of some of the other people who are on that and it's people like Lucille Ball and mm-hmm. Jackie Gleason and
0: the people who are giants of television. Yeah. So the last group that they inducted was in 2003, and it was um, Bob Barker, Art Carney, Dan Rather, and Brandon Tartikoff. So a pretty impressive group of people mm-hmm. right there. And they say that um, this... Ceremony will definitely be this year in 2006, so we'll have to get it somehow and comment on it. But what an honor for Bill. It's just so, so And so
1: well-deserved. Yeah. So well-deserved. He's had such a huge impact on on so many actors. Yeah. Now, typical of Bill's life. (laughs) At the
0: very same time. The same week, like two days after that was announced. It was also announced. (laughs) Go ahead. That Comedy Central is going to have a roast For William Shatner. And it's going to be taped in August in Los Angeles. Um, And the spokesperson for Comedy Central said, It takes a real man to follow Pamela Anderson into the roast pit, and William Shatner is truly a hero among men. By the end of this year's roast, Shatner may wish wish he was in a galaxy far, far away. I'm so looking
1: forward to this. I hope it is telecast. Well, it's Comedy Central. It has to be. But we were talking earlier about... You know who's going to be on it, and from what I know of these, they are sort of based on those Dean Martin roasts. Mm-hmm. So it, it's friends, it's people who work with you, and so we're thinking Leonard, and Leonard will be I there. would think James Spader. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, wouldn't it be great, James Spader? <laughs> oh my God, I hadn't even thought about that before. That will be brilliant. Um, you know, people like that. Yeah, George Takei. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, right. Oh,
0: you never know.
1: And uh, if it's like the Dean Martin roast, which I do remember from my early mm-hmm. childhood. Um, the, the roastee does get the final word yeah. on the whole thing That'll so be great. this uh, should be something because Bill has such a marvelous sense of humor about himself and his whole history and I hope there are going to be about a bazillion jokes about all the women he's done I'm sure there will be and I'm sure I hope <laughs> Elizabeth is dying and crawling under the table and Bill's patting her hand going it's just for fun honey it's
0: just for fun <laughs> got to be. He's going to do something. Knowing hey! He, what do you think? <laughs> do you think
1: they might ask us <gasps> to talk about his butt? Wow, that would be pretty cool. Do you think
0: we should volunteer? We should. Raise we'll talk our about hands. his butt. We'll talk about his butt. Yeah, because he has a great butt. He has a great butt. A, and yeah. we'll be funny as hell. <laughs> well, I'll write to them after we finish okay. this show. I'll drop them a note. Good. Um, it, it says here about William Shatter. I love these descriptions of him. And I often wonder if they're copied directly from um, a bio of him somewhere, or whether the person who who wrote this actually sat down and wrote these words. So it says, William Shatner has cultivated a career that has spanned over 50 years as Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning actor, director, producer, screenwriter, recording artist, and author. He is one of pop culture's most recognizable figures and has also established himself as a major Hollywood philanthropist. True Which is true, but you don't often see that mentioned in the same breath as the That's recording true. artist and author. They really do need someone like us, though, to do, like, a
1: whole thing on his movies in the 70s. <gasps> and just show clips, clips and talk about them as if we're, like, some film historian, you know, talking about the significance of the car wash scene in Impulse, uh, impulse. and the the tight, tight pants and Pray for the Wildcats. And... Um, the the uh, the street of hookers in
0: Secrets of a Married Man, <laughs> because you know what? We're probably the only people qualified to talk about that. Well, you know, I think the guy from the shed York I could guys, do it, but I've got a feeling he's not as entertaining. Well, he's only one guy. He's only one guy. It's much more entertaining when there's two people. Speaking of impulse, I I do want to mention this. So we we got a link to a clip at YouTube sent to us by um, the famous Junk, our friend Junk. No, no, no. Uh, Junk didn't send this to you? That came, I believe. You sent me email saying Junk sent this to me. Oh, okay. Then it came from Junk. I got something else from somebody else. Because she she finds these things. How she finds them, I don't know. Um, She says, oh, I'm about
1: to send an email to Jungle Kitty. I better search for something Shatner-relevant, because otherwise I'm not allowed
0: to contact her. I don't know where she gets these ideas, but anyway. It is um, a montage of scenes from Impulse. We are just talking about Impulse. Set to music, as all good things on YouTube are. And here's the description. Petroleum-based clothing was never worn so well than on Mr. Shatner. A montage of regrettable fashion statements from the movie Impulse, 1974. Buona Fortuna Amore Mio, sung by the legendary Everly Brothers. That's the music for it. And um, the title of it is William Shatner, Ladies' Man. And it's <laughs> the thing that cracked me up was that it intercuts scenes from the movie of him um, romancing and kissing and having sex with women with scenes of him slapping and kicking and drowning and biting. <laughs> women at the same time wearing those horrible horrible clothes so if you've heard us talk about impulse before and wanted to see how bad the clothes were because we did talk about his pimp suit and want to see that that carnival strongman (laughs) outfit that's in there
1: (laughs) yes but i have to to share with our listeners this so inspired us because if you will remember our longtime listeners will remember when we saw impulse we didn't get to see the first 20-25 minutes because It just showed up on my TV without me knowing it was going to be there. So we've only seen this. we would missed the beginning. And when we saw this, we went, shit, there's a lot of stuff in there we really need to see. So I went scouting, and I found myself a copy of the Impulse DVD for, like, five bucks. We are
0: so happy. So
1: I've ordered that. That'll be coming in. We're going to have a special
0: Impulse viewing (laughs) show. So I think you should all go and watch this video on YouTube so you get a flavor for this movie. Mm-hmm. It will definitely help you out. Yay, William Shatner, ladies, man.
1: I love that. <laughs> well, when I saw the title, I was like, ooh, what is this going to be? I thought it's all the impulse, which I was uh, talking to somebody about it, and I said, you know, I think of all the, the bad movies Bill has made, this is my favorite. It is such a good bad movie. It's a fantastic bad it movie. It really is. And and I, if it's not a cult movie, it should be. It should be. So a let's movie. get to work, people. Let's all buy our our white leisure suits and you know, it, kind of have that that
0: um, that drum soundtrack playing in our lives. Yes. Definitely. The, the one other thing that I was so glad that they put into this little um, montage on YouTube is the scene where he does um, a classic Shatnerian overreaction to something when he realizes that he's killed someone, and he he's his face is sort of frozen with his mouth open, and his hands are clutching the air in front of him, <laughs> and he's just reeling slowly backwards, appalled at the horror of what he's just done. It's great. It's great. It's it's so it good. is classic. <laughs> so, yes, definitely
1: go go uh, look at that. And that can be like your sort of sneak preview as to what's coming up on Look at the Spot. Because we are definitely going to re-review Impulse now that we can see the whole thing. Yes.
0: Now, I believe it's time to turn to the uh, video iPod reviews. (laughs) Yes. Is that correct? Um, As you know, I have been watching episodes of Star Trek
1: while on the exercise bike and the elliptical (laughs) at the gym. And it, it continues to be fantastic and amazing and wonderful. But I recently watched like a cluster of episodes and they sort of um, got me thinking about certain things and I wanted to just share them with you. And one of them is, one day I watched Miri, mm-hmm. which is a great episode, and one day I watched Enemy Within, mm-hmm. also a great episode. Mm-hmm. But the thing that comes out of those two together really strongly mm-hmm. is Spock hates Rand. <laughs> he hates her with this deep Vulcan drumbeat passion. And he is so mean to
0: her. I will cite Case in Point. Okay, so after we talk about this, are you going to theorize as to why he hated her? No, you can do that. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I Because
1: we all know why. But anyway, in Enemy Within, Mm -hmm. okay, that's the one where Kirk is split into and there's Evil Kirk and Good Kirk, Mm -hmm. or as we like to think of them, Fit Kirk and Peep Kirk. (laughs) Thank you, Lyra Starr. Um... And Evil Kirk attempts to rape Rand. Mm-hmm. And the whole way that rape is handled is something that has always bothered me about that otherwise excellent, outstanding episode. But at the end of it, when everything's all well, Spock says to Rand, the intruder had some interesting qualities, don't you think, Yeoman? And I'm like, slap him with a, a sexual harassment suit mm-hmm. in sensitivity. I mean, it's just, it's it's appalling. And then in Mary, again at the end, this is when he gets his digs in, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, Mary, she's that girl who's about to go through puberty, and then she'll die.
0: Right, because she'll turn into a grub. Right.
1: (laughs) And she gets this crush on Kirk. Mm -hmm. And at the end, Rand is saying to Kirk, "Um, she really loved you, you know. And Kirk says, well, I make it a point to never get involved with older women. Kind of lightening the thing (laughs) up. But in the middle of the episode, when Kirk goes off with Mary for whatever reason rand goes that little girl and spot goes is 300 years older than you are think about it <laughs> it's like so fucking mean they're about to all die because they're grups <laughs> and all he can think of is oh i'm just gonna get that bitch one more
0: time. Really? Spock, what a bitch. He's mean. He is a mean Vulcan bitch. <laughs> I like thinking about him as a mean Vulcan bitch. That's really good. He is. You know, there was a reason that they chose to prank for him. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was a meaner Vulcan bitch? Exactly. They were actually fairly well-suited in that regard. <laughs> okay, I want to talk a little bit more about this episode. Please. Um, Enemy Within. Mm-hmm. This is a
1: great episode. And the first 15 minutes, I think, are so well written. It is so tight and so tense, and it just just really clips along. And the only flaws in this episode are all related to Rand. And it, in this case, it's not her fault. It's the writing. Because, first of all, they have that horrible interrogation scene after the attempted rape. Where, okay, here she is. She, somebody's tried to rape her. Who looks like the captain, who she thinks is the captain. So who is she interrogated by but the captain and his two best friends? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that That's really, really <laughs> annoying. Um, and then there's Spock's insensitive comment at the end. But this episode <laughs> has one of these Spock moments that just make my eyeballs fall out and bounce around and roll around the floor for a while because it's so ridiculous. He says to Kirk, Captain, if I seem insensitive about your situation... That's just the way I am. And I'm going, to, okay, um, guys, piece of advice from Spock. Next time you have a fight with your girlfriend, just try that line on her. If I seem like an insensitive jerk, well, it's because I am. See how far that gets you. See if she wants to kiss and make up after you say something like that. Which further does demonstrate the truth of you being an insensitive jerk who doesn't give a
0: fuck. It's like, okay, and I'm not even going to try to change. No, you just have to accept me as I am. Right. Because I am an insensitive jerk. Right. So it's, a, yeah,
1: right at the heart of Spock. is He's a mean Vulcan bitch and an insensitive jerk. jerk. But some great Nimoy acting. And I'm being serious now. It's going to (laughs) sound silly, but it is great. Um, Towards the end, right before um, Fit Kirk and Peep Kirk are merged back into Mm -hmm. one wonderful Kirk, Mm -hmm. um, there's this scene on the bridge where mean Kirk, evil Kirk, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call him, crazy Kirk comes up and, you know, just goes wild Mm -hmm. all over and, and... Good Kirk has to, to grab him. And the two of them have this really emotional scene about, I don't want to take him back, but I have to because mm-hmm. we're going to live. And it really is emotional. And standing in the background, you see Spock and McCoy watching this. And Spock's reaction to all this emotion open on the bridge, mm-hmm. he looks like he's going to throw up. Really? He Really? Wow, I don't
0: think I ever noticed that. you got to
1: watch it. He looks like, oh, my God. Is there a, is there a bucket nearby? I'm just going to heave because...
0: There's that's all this emotion,
1: really and you can't take it.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great, I'm actually. glad you noticed that. Even on that tiny little screen, you noticed that. Yeah. It's well, pretty, you
1: know, the thing is, you're at the gym,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so there's nothing else, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not, you know, the hot guy's gym that I go to, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot of, you know, middle-aged suburbanites mm-hmm. like me, so I'm not going to be cruising
0: to, mm-hmm. to see what's going on, so I'm just watching my Star Trek, and I'm getting a lot out yeah. of it. Um, let me ask you a question about Enemy Within. Yeah. When Kirk gets split into two, does one of them get the charm and the other one get the hotness?
1: Yes. <laughs> evil
0: Kirk gets the hotness, but it is perverted into evil hotness. Oh. And and Peep Kirk gets the, uh, the good, the, the charm.
1: <laughs> Peep Kirk is evil Kirk. Oh, I'm sorry. I got, get get it right. I got the backwards. I got the backwards. Fit Kirk Fit is Kirk. good
0: Kirk.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I think <laughs> I should reread this story. Um, yeah, he does get the charm, but he doesn't really have too much chance to use it. Actually though, Evil Kirk actually gets a little of a charm. Yeah. Because he's got that scene with Rand where he's pretending to be Good Kirk and oh, yeah. he says, um, here's what happened and, <laughs> you
0: know. But anyway the evil part still comes through, so it's not it's not yeah. good charm. One other thing I remember about Enemy Within and not having seen it for quite a while is that when he's being Evil Kirk, he gets to, to execute a series of Shatner swallows that you have to rank right yes! up there. Yes, right I meant up to there. mention
1: that. You know, the brandy, he's drinking it all the time. And, yep, you yep. sure
0: do see that going on. So, I just remember there was a whole series of them. And if you ever wanted to see the patented Shatner swallow, it's in this episode. Because yep. it's, it's there full on. Yep. Now, Miri, mm-hmm. another great, wonderful episode.
1: Again, showing Shatner's incredible acting. Because the man is pulling off lines like, No more blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm a grump. <laughs> He's saying these lines with full conviction, and I am sitting there just respecting the hell out of him because I hate people who pull back when it's you know kind of a difficult, embarrassing mm-hmm. line. You go for it. You go for it. But I also think chaosers will tell you, "Oh, chaos came out of uh, you know um, a muck time," or you know, "This is the most chaos mm-hmm. episode." Everything. I think there is something in Mary. That you could trace to, this gives rise to create chaos more than anything really? else. It is a piece of meaningless dialogue. It has no meaning. And to it, to illustrate this, I have to explain something. Occasionally, when writing fanfic, fanfic writers like me will write something that sounds good because mm-hmm. it's dramatic and it puts a button or it does something, but it really doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I've had good beta readers say to me, what the fuck does that mean? And I go, well, nothing, but it sounded good, so I take it out. Well, they didn't have that, so they left it in. So when they're all in the lab together and they discover this disease, Mm -hmm. and it affects all of them except Spock, Mm -hmm. and they don't dare let anybody else beam down, and I'm going, well, why couldn't somebody beam down in their space suit? But we won't get into that. But um, Spock says that he can't go back to the ship either. Mm Mm-hmm. And he looks at Kirk and goes, and I do want to go back to the ship, Captain. And Kirk goes, understood. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) It's not like they're in this vacation paradise where he might be thinking, hmm, I might want to stay here and not go back to the ship. I'd like to stay in this broken down town with these annoying children. (laughs) I do want to go back to the ship. It makes no sense, unless you're interpreting it as, and I do want to go back to the ship where you and I can just fuck our brains out, and Kurt goes, understood, because I want to get back there, too. It's totally that,
0: meaningless. That's so strange. What, and yeah, what a strange reading, too. Yeah. Mm, that's bizarre. It is bizarre. Well, Another great meaningless that. moment. and this
1: one just totally cracked me up so much that I slowed down in the elliptical so I could figure out how to rewind on my iPod (laughs) to watch it again. (laughs) They get down there Mm -hmm. and they're in the the middle of the streets and Kirk sees a broken tricycle. Right, I remember that. Okay, and he goes, Spock! (laughs) Oh my God, the broken tricycle. So, Spock comes over. They all come running over. It says Rosebud on the front. (laughs) Something! (laughs) Spock comes running over. Kirk hands it to him. (laughs) Like it needs scientific analysis. <laughs> Spock like looks at it this long, beep and hands it to McCoy <laughs> like it needs medical attention. <laughs> Spock and Kirk leave. McCoy sits down with it and rings the bell <laughs> Ding ding ding. <laughs> Which brings, you know, this this monster out who attacks him and then everything. Uh-huh. But it's like okay. There's a whole pile of shit there. Why is the tricycle the relevant piece of shit? And, you know, okay, well, let's see, I'll do my medical analysis. Ding, ding. Yes, bell's ring, working. Hmm, wheels are bent.
0: I mean, what's the point? That's really bizarre. One wonders if um, DeForest Kelly didn't say something like, Can I ring that bell? <laughs> Make sure it works. It works. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Well, good piece of business. Ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, good piece of business is exactly what it is. But again,
1: that's a great episode. Um, Kim Darby gives a fantastic mm-hmm. performance as Mary. It's very, very touching. Right, and
0: there are actual Shatner children. In yes, that, um, his two
1: daughters are in that. I was also <laughs> going to point out there's um, there's an annoying kid actor in it. The boy who, when Mary is saying, "I'll tell." Rand, one of you is sick. Mm -hmm. So she'll come over and he goes, let it be me, let it be me. Do you know the kid I'm talking about? Uh, I can't remember exactly. He's really annoying. Anyway, he's all through the episode. And when Kirk finally confronts the children and they're all doing bonk, bonk Uh on the head and he can't get their attention, this kid is standing on the desk Uh because they're in a classroom. Shatner picks that kid up and pretty much just throws him aside. (laughs) He is not gentle with the little bastard. It's really something. Wow, that's pretty funny. He tosses him. (laughs)
0: Like he's
1: one of those fake rocks. (laughs) Okay, here's the important part. I watch Court Martial. Yeah, oh, Court Martial. Wow, it's
0: been a long time since I've seen that one. Love
1: Court Martial. Now, Court Martial has some very strange costume changes. (laughs) And it's relevant. Okay, Spock and McCoy are in their regular uniforms. Mm -hmm. When... Spock is playing computer, playing chess with the computer. And they realize the computer's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And so Kirk is innocent. So let's get down to the the trial, right? Uh-huh. And so Spock hits the communicator and says, Transporter room, two, two to beam down. And they go running out. But apparently they stop to change their clothes. Because when they get to the courtroom, they're in dress uniform. And... All through this, Kirk is going from dress uniform to regular, dress to regular, depending on if he's in the courtroom. So Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think the transporter can do this. I was just going to say
0: that. I was going to say the transporter has a special setting that puts you into your dress uniform. It absolutely
1: does. Because then Sam Cogley, Kirk's lawyer, does his big impassioned Mm -hmm. speech about my client has not had the right to confront his accuser, the computer, which I thought was great. Mm -hmm. I loved it. It's so Boston legal. Mm -hmm. So... They go, okay, we will reconvene on the bridge of the Enterprise. Next scene. They've all beamed up.
0: And they're in regular uniforms. See, it's the transporter. Totally the transporter. Okay, but here's the real reason. (laughs) Because they figure out
1: Finny, Uh who Kirk is accused of murdering, Mm -hmm. is alive and hiding on the ship. And Kirk goes to find him. Mm -hmm. And they have a fight. Mm Mm-hmm. And his shirt gets ripped.
0: Oh, that's why
1: they couldn't rip the dress uniform. They didn't want to rip the dress uniform. But here is the really important thing (laughs) I have been holding back on. Guess which ripped shirt it is. Oh, my goodness. Um, Because it's a repeat of a ripped shirt. Is it the one from Shore Leave? Yep. Really? The one that is just hanging off him. Wow. And it's just like the fight with Finnegan. They're fighting, fighting, fighting. (laughs) And suddenly the next shirt, next shot, Kirk's shirt is like... Totally exposing his his upper arm uh-huh. and his
0: chest and everything. We should do a screen cap comparison.
1: You can tell just from looking. I at wanna
0: it. do I have to do a screen cap comparison now, okay. now that you've told me that. I okay. really want to see. Wow. So they did repeat that ripped shirt. So somewhere in the costume archives at Paramount they had the shirt artfully ripped yep. to show him off. Yep. Which was first? Was Court, court Martial was 1st That's first, what I was that? trying to remember.
1: If Court Martial or Shirley was first, and I meant to look it up, and I did, didn't. Didn't you have the book right I here? I think I have yeah, the compendium laying on the floor. But the, um, I'll find it. The other thing is, did Kirk ever, remember the comment um, from Trek BBS, I'd better watch that he doesn't rip his shirt, because then he becomes invincible? Yeah. Did Kirk's shirt ever get ripped, and he lost the fight?
0: Oh, now I'm going to have to think about it.
1: Yeah, because I'm trying to think about that, and I don't think we ever saw him like, you know, unconscious or in jail or whatever.
0: Well, let's see. So, in in where no with man a shirt in where no man he, he won. wins in shore leave he wins in court martial he wins. His shirt gets ripped in um a muck time a muck time. Well, he doesn't win. No, but he doesn't lose either. Yeah. Um, his shirt gets ripped by McCoy in uh, naked time. But I don't think that really counts. That didn't count. That was just gratuitous. <laughs> totally yeah. gratuitous. Um, where else? I'm thinking now of, of shots of him shirtless. But okay, according to the compendium, and I believe—let me
1: see if these are in um, shooting order or shown order. They're in shooting order, I believe. Oops. Here we go. So this is first season or second season? First season. They are in
0: shooting order. Okay. Um, Court Martial was shot two weeks before. Sure. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. <coughs> so. Anyway, those are my um, iPod insights. That's great. I'm glad you're gleaning so much. And I'm amazed that you're able to remember so much, like not actually taking notes. Well, I did you know, write some notes afterwards, but you yeah. can't really take notes at well, the gym. Well, that's but, what I mean. You weren't, you but weren't like I say, I'm so
1: be. focused on it because there's really nothing else to think about mm-hmm. or to, to, to get involved with. Yeah.
0: And so even though it's such a little screen, I mean, I'm like, I'm right in there. That's so cool. Now, um, are you noticing anything different on the soundtracks, given that you're watching it with the earplugs? (gasps) Yes! Oh, my
1: (laughs) God, I'm so glad you brought this up. What did I watch the other day? Oh, it was one of the early episodes when they were still kind of refining what their music was going to be. And you know how a lot of times when you get a shot of the Enterprise, an opening shot of the Enterprise... Uh flying through space you get this you know, this chingering that's mm-hmm. sort of flourish. Mm-hmm. And in later episodes they toned it down a little. Oh. But in this early episode, and you saw a couple of these, I wish I could remember what episode it was, I swear to you, it sounded exactly like that chingering flourish in singing in the rain, <laughs> in the gotta dance montage where it goes, and Kelly looks around in this really dancery way, and then millions of people run on going, Gotta dance! I swear to you, it is the same sound. Same key, same instrumentation, That's everything. That's so funny. And then they toned that down later, because then I saw a later episode where that was a little more subtle. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, The Enterprise, the musical! <laughs>
0: Oh, boy. Got a am I can't wait till I get my video iPod so that I can have this. Oh, it's a great a, experience. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, and like I said, Netflix is just,
1: you know, <laughs> sending these things to me as fast as I can get them ripped and sent back and really get some more.
0: feeding the obsession. It is. Well, it's fantastic. Well, I'm glad I was able to share um, Season 3 with you. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I've been getting through those, too. Cool. Well, um... Let's take a break. I think that was a pretty action-packed half hour. It was. So we're going to go watch something. Mm-hmm. We have so many things to watch. Uh. Um, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about that. And, and we might um, round up with a few more little tidbits. So um, let's have some music. I'm not sure which music we should drop in here. Could be the impulse music. Could, could be, be Gotta Dance. Could be Gotta Dance. Could <laughs> be Explosive Generation. You know, kind of weird. We've got back. a lot got of got stuff. Got, got a lot of musical clips. Okay, we'll be right back.
1: Space the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship
0: Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations,
1: to boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: The only thing we like better than William Shatner's butt is hearing from our listeners. Comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com, email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com, This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You've found the best podcasts in the universe. It feels really weird not to have Boston Legal to watch. It does, but we have other stuff. We do. We have a jam-packed summer of
1: watching. (laughs) Some people, you know, like to get out and play sports and have action and things. We want to just sit back and watch. That's true. It it just, it does feel weird. I keep expecting us to have Boston Legal to watch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, when we were watching that that thing about the
0: space aliens, I was thinking, James Spader would make a good space alien. (laughs) He's practically an alien anyway. (laughs) Maybe he is. Maybe that's going to be the big reveal at the end of this season of Boston Legal. But Denny's gay and, and Spader's an alien? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Works for me. And and Candace Bergen's
1: the evil queen of outer space? <laughs> I hate that evil queen.
0: That would be good. But um. And some- uh, Paul's a, a, a shapeshifter? That's a little obvious, though. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of Boston Legal, um, we just watched... <laughs> Two things that were sent to us by wonderful listeners. Um, The first was Shatner's appearance on the comedy show Fridays. And I don't think you or I even knew that he had been on Fridays. I didn't know it. It, Was it in the Shatnerica? I guess it must have been. Probably, but I haven't had time to memorize the Shatnerica.
1: (gasps) Don't hit me. (laughs)
0: Uh, you might remember, I don't know, if you're if you're younger than us, you probably don't remember that Friday's was a comedy show that was on um, In the Mold of Saturday Night Live, and it was on Friday night.
1: Wow. Ima- imagine. Imagine. That's
0: what it's called, Friday. Uh, and it was on, um, I think, 80, 81. It wasn't on for very long. Um, we were laughing a little because some of the cast members were um, Michael Richards, who became Kramer on um, Seinfeld, and Larry David, who was one of the writers and now is on um, his own show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So, it was an hour show, I believe, uh, and Bill was the host. It was 1981, and we were thinking he might have been doing it as a little advanced promotion for Wrath of Khan, which came out in 1982. So, it was right between those two movies. Um, and he looked really good, mm-hmm. except his hair was not that good. But no. he looked very trim and tan, and, you know, just his usual charmingly hotness way. Yes, yes.
1: And it was really fun to see... Um, at the beginning, he was supposed to be Kirk. He was supposed to be Kirk through the whole episode. Right, but yeah. he had been beamed down mm-hmm. into this strange time where he had to wear uncomfortable clothes, <laughs> the 80s clothes. And he was talking to Spock, apparently through his wallet. <laughs> yeah, it was his wallet. But the
0: amazing thing is he was
1: absolutely doing perfect 60s
0: Kirk. He was. We were both just remarking on how amazing it was. He got to do a little voiceover at the very beginning where he said... Um, you know the star date, and that he was—you uh, know—they were in orbit around this planet, and all the rest of it. And it was amazing. It sounded just like it used to when he did it on the show. That's you know? right. So that was that was pretty amazing. Um, he was so he did the opening, um, and and interspersed throughout the show were little bits of him still being Kirk and still trying to get out of this and talking to Spock. And on his wallet. On his wallet. Um, and he, <laughs> one time when he flipped it close, uh, he hit himself uh, in the head. That was good. That was good. And he went, Ow! There were two, he was in two sketches, and they were both very funny. They were very funny, and to me
1: they showed, again, another facet of Bill's acting. The um, first one was he was a man in a restaurant with a woman. They were on a date. Mm-hmm. And so we're going, okay, charm and hot, this bill is going to flirt. But he was playing a man who just completely overreacts to pain. And so he's, you know, being very seductive and he goes to light her cigarette and he burnt his finger on the match. And, and it, it just threw this this fit. And the, the level of physical comedy was he was great. doing, the slapstick, and how perfectly it was executed, how well-timed it mm-hmm. was. And then when they finally get him back into the chair, she's going, well, what was that? And he goes, I hurt my finger. And she goes, but you act like your hand got cut off. And he
0: goes, well, it hurt. <laughs> It was really funny. And the, in the second part of it, um, it, it was actually a very well written sketch. Mm-hmm. So he burns his finger. Then they're they're dancing, which was very interesting because as soon as they get up to dance and she says, maybe I can make it up to you by seducing you on the dance floor. And he says, Oh, well you won't have to work very hard to do that. <laughs> and they start dancing. And as soon as they're together, I mean, you know, he's like pressing her up against his body. And burying his
1: face in her hair and going, mm, this is
0: good. Very romantic. And then she steps on his toe and he throws an even, even bigger fit this time. I mean, he was just hurling himself around into the other actors and across tables, and just it was really been screaming the whole time. Ah! And it was really
1: well done because something like that when it's not done well is really embarrassing yeah. to see. And this was
0: so good. It was good. Um, and and again. Well, it hurt. <laughs> and then the big buildup came to the third part where the waiter brings these steaming bowls of soup and everybody's just kind of like waiting to see what's going to happen. And the
1: waiter's so nervous you can hear <laughs> the soup bowls
0: going clatter, clatter, clatter. Yeah. And and he he the, the payoff was he, he takes a sip of it and immediately runs out of the restaurant and gets a bus and then gets a cab and goes to Griffith Observatory to get as far away as possible. And then he finally spits it out and screams. Yeah. It's so hot.
1: So that was really good. And then after that sketch, again, we get him as Kirk on the communicator mm-hmm. <laughs> going, Spock, you've got to get me out of here. They're making me ride buses. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was great. Um, and the second sketch um, was, if now people remember this, there was an air traffic controller strike back then. And, and there really was a pretty serious crisis because mm-hmm. you can't run the airlines without the controller. So he played, he was on a talk show playing a guy who was a. Um, a boss, like an administrator who was now having to do his old job of being a controller. And the comedy on this, I think, built sort of slowly it and, and really subtly. And the whole point is that, um, you know, they're having to do this terrible job and working overtime and not getting any sleep. And so as he'd been up for 10 days. 10 days. <laughs> and as he's talking, I thought he did a really good job of conveying that sort of weird calm um dissociation you have when you're really really tired and when she said
1: um you seem rather distraught he goes no no i wouldn't say distraught i would say
0: distraught (laughs) it was good and he got to do a lot of little business like he was at one point rubbing his eye And made this huge production out of rubbing his eye while he's delivering this really mundane speech about, you know, no, it's not so bad and we're really getting along and just kind of trailing off and really working his eye. Yeah. Good. But then when he finally starts stressing out and he's talking about, and you've got the headphones
1: on and and they're getting tighter and tighter. And the way he was smashing his hands (laughs) into his face to show the headphones, it was. It was very funny, and again, a whole different
0: mm-hmm. side of his his acting persona. It's true. Wouldn't it be fun to see him do more sketch comedy? Oh, I think he'd be very good in sketch comedy. Well, hmm.
1: I was going to say I wouldn't, you know, be surprised if, like, they were trying to get him to host Saturday Night Live or something. But like I don't know if people travel network to network like that. I don't know. Well, you know, he did. The, the Get a Life Saturday Night Live. And right, but I, at the time he wasn't like actively on a series uh-uh. on a rival network. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I guess he's only been on Saturday Night Live once. I believe so. Okay. Um, but, uh, boy, it would be even now it would be really fun to see him do some stuff like that if he'd be willing to. If, if they, they were
1: going to, you know, have him do things like that which really it was very funny at the beginning when he was playing Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. they were doing a sketch about we can't find William Shatner, where is he? And they had a guy who could really do Shatner well yeah. saying I can do it and nobody <laughs> will know the difference. But um so when when Bill came on as Kirk going okay, who are you people? I've got to get out of here. They're going no, Bill, Bill, we're not doing any Star Trek stuff tonight. Uh-huh. And the sketches then that he was in were not Star Trek things, were not parodies of Star Trek or of him. Mm-hmm. They were
0: acting pieces. They were, yeah. And he was And great. I would love to see more of that. That was great. I, I really enjoyed that. So um, thank you for sending that. I think it was Jason who sent that to us. It and, was uh, wonderful. We're so happy to have that because it was just great. Um, so going from that to the other thing that we just watched... Which was sent to us by um, Frosty Snow Bro. <laughs> uh, he had promised this to us a while ago, and, and we finally got it. Um, and we watched it. So, this was a uh, TV guide looks at science fiction. And it was, I assume this was actually on television because there were commercial breaks in it. Right. And it was 1997 and Bill was the host. And it was a very um, breezy TV oriented look back at science fiction um, from the 50s through 97. So I think the last couple of things that they looked at were like X-Files and mm-hmm. um, Babylon 5. Right. Those were the most recent things and the, and the Star Trek franchise shows as well. And um you know, it was kind of fun. It was fun. We were having a little, you know,
1: um oh, I remember that. Oh gosh, I don't remember that uh-huh. one at all and are they going to do my favorite marathon <laughs> and stuff, you know. So it was it was it was fun. It was a fun fun little history. Um and having just seen Bill do Fridays and all the wonderful things we've been seeing him do, seeing him host this mm-hmm. where he was very stiff and and not not at all Good, really. And we came to the conclusion that, you know, you give Bill a character to play, and he's great. And you put him on a talk show where he is himself, where he's just being himself, he's great. But when he has to play himself, he's not good. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. But there was one comment in there. I made you write it down because Uh I wanted to talk about it. Um, They were talking, or one of the things, when they finally got around to showing some Star Trek, they were saying... It was um, innovative, and part of what was different about it was that it was aimed at adults. But apparently the adult audience didn't get it, Mm because they never got the big audience. So it was canceled. And then when they got around to the Star Trek movies and the the other Star Trek series that came along and everything, um, the commentary, which I believe was done by Bill, was um, apparently the children who had been enjoying Star Trek Mm -hmm. had grown up into this adult audience. And I thought, you know, that's a really interesting parallel to another phenomenon And I don't know if this is really true. I've never researched it, but I've heard this, and I think it's really Mm -hmm. interesting. When MGM made The Wizard of Oz in Mm -hmm. 1939, they did not expect it to be a hit. They made it as one of those sort of prestige pictures you make, you know, that you're filming a Mm -hmm. classic and blah, blah, blah. And when it was shown in theaters, it really wasn't a hit. And it didn't become a hit until it started being shown on television, Mm kind of like Star Trek and its repeats. But part of what made it a hit when it was shown on television was all the little kids who had seen it in the theater oh. in '39 and remembered it were grown
0: up? Oh, that's interesting. And were reenjoying it and making their kids watch it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Hmm. I, I think you're. I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder. Um, you know, how many children of Trekkies become Trekkies? Like whether that's something that gets passed down. Because there are, you know, people who are old enough now mm-hmm. to have kids of their own uh, who were fans of TOS. And, you know, are are their kids automatically fans of TNG? And I furniture? know a woman, a young woman.
1: She's not a child, but she is an adult. She's probably like about 30 or so now. Mm-hmm. Her name is Tupring. <gasps> really? Yes. Wow. And she says... Um, and her parents are absolutely not the people you would ever expect to be naming their child to bring. Because <laughs> they just seem like really straight, really conservative. Uh-huh.
0: But underneath their fanatical Trekkies? I guess so. Wow. You'd have to mm-hmm. be pretty fanatical. Yeah, I would say so. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around that right now. Yep. That's really interesting. Huh. <laughs> so I think,
1: honestly, I think if you know, like a a young child, let's say three, four years old, and Dad's like, oh, Star Trek's on. Let's watch this together. Uh To a little kid, that bonding experience of something I can share with Dad or Mom, as the case may be, Mm -hmm. and this is their hobby... I think that that could be a big part of it is that they're always mm-hmm. going to associate it with this this special time together yeah. with the parent. And as they grow up, one of two things are going to happen. It's like if you're you're the child of somebody who is just fanatical about fishing, mm-hmm. you're either going to totally get into it, share it with them, or you are going to hate it and you won't even go to a seafood restaurant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's true. Well, well I, we've been to cons and seen the the people bringing I, I, the little kids yeah. in strollers. And I know, I know. I was thinking about that. Well, I, I was also thinking about the fact that you know the reason I watched Star Trek was because in my house that's what my dad wanted to watch, mm-hmm. and and you know he didn't watch that much TV. So when he chose something to watch, we knew that it was a good thing. So it was it was definitely family time watching yep. Star Trek. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, I did want to mention one thing, totally off topic, but I feel I have to get this out there. When they were doing this retrospective, I think they mentioned just about all the series that you and I had either remembered or or thought about. But they didn't mention the one that I was hoping that they would. And it was a series called Quark that was on in 1977. It was created by Buck Henry. Oh, great. It was funny. It was very funny. And it starred Richard Benjamin as um, an outer space garbage collector. (laughs) <laughs> I vaguely remember hearing and, about this. And it it just had really cheap special effects, but the writing was really, really good, and it only ran for nine episodes. Wait, scroll down. Look who else was in that. Well, Tim Thomerson was in it. He's a guy who's been in a lot of low-budget movies. Conrad Janus? Yeah, Was Was yeah. um, Mindy's father in Mork and Mindy. Yeah, that's right. And he was in this, too. And I always thought that it was just really, really funny, really funny writing and... Uh, I, I'm wondering if they actually made more than nine episodes. It says they, I'm looking on IMDb and it says they had nine right now. But anyway, I always thought it was really funny and I'm surprised that they didn't mention it in there.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, I was a fan. We watched it. Cool. <laughs> well, should we move on to the big news that we haven't talked about yet? Um, let's take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about that and then we can also talk about my book. Yes. My cool book. Will Matt Damon get beamed up? Could happen. I'm told J.J. Abrams is very interested in casting the Oscar-winning Damon as a young Captain Kirk in the upcoming Star Trek movie that he's directing and producing. He's so interested that he's apparently already sought support from the original Kirk, William Shatner. Shatner gave his blessing, my source says. J.J. got his approval." Damon first popped up in Trekkie Circles as soon as the Abrams Star Trek deal was announced. Rumor had it that the new movie would center on Kirk and Spock's early days at a at a space academy. JJ wants Damon as Captain Kirk, my source reports. He really loves the idea. Okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> okay, if he's at the academy, he's
1: not Captain Kirk, so he's not playing young Captain Kirk. He's yeah. just Kirk. He's, he's just Cadet Kirk. Um, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Damon is already older than Shatner was at the start of TOS. So um it's gonna be a stretch for him to play Space Academy. Yeah, like eighteen,
0: seventeen,
1: yeah. eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is this has swept across fandom like wildfire. Woo, with there people goes. going, Ooh, great idea, I can't wait. Ooh, gag me, gag me, gag me. And what is and the big question of course is, well then what's Ben Affleck going to play? <laughs> no, he can't be Spock, he can't be Spock. I came up with the perfect casting. Yeah? If they say, fuck it, we don't care about continuity, we don't care that they're too old, and Mm -hmm. it is going to be an Academy movie, and Damon's playing Kirk, Affleck should play
0: Finnegan. (laughs) That would be great, and then we could spend the rest of the movie watching them beat the shit out of each other. And be fuck buddies. That would be great. (laughs) Fighting, fucking, fighting, fucking. I like that idea. Run with it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, I don't know. What do you think about Matt Damon? I, well, I agree with everything that you just said. I mean, he's—they they have to cast somebody a lot younger. If they're doing the Academy. If they're really going to do the Academy and make it be the Academy the way Starfleet Academy is supposed to be. And not Starfleet Academy like this place that you go to in the middle of your career to hang out and get extra training. Because that would be stupid. Right. Um, But I I don't know. I think for a movie like this, they'd be so much better off if they didn't go for stars. If they just found some really good unknown actors who could bring some depth and personality to the role. I agree with
1: you. um, But I think that won't happen because the Hollywood thinking is... That Star Trek now is a gamble, mm-hmm. and that they want to make it um, have a broader appeal than just Trekkies. And so, to guarantee the box office, if they could afford him, they'd go for Tom Cruise, no matter how <laughs> bad he would be in it. So they will go for a name, and I'm, you know, I think Damon's a fine actor, mm-hmm. but in the things I've seen him in, I haven't seen anything that says to me he can capture the essence of Kirk. I agree. The the heroics, and remember a few shows back, we were talking about this, and you you really hit the, the nail right on the head when you were saying the heroes of science fiction now are sort of anti heroes, mm-hmm. and they're always like, okay, well we're going to do this, we don't want to, yeah, they're but crank- we're going to do it. They're and they, cranky guys, yeah, they're cranky guys. Even when they're not cranky though, they're smart alecky guys, yeah. And they're all like they're, solo. They're all sort of meta in their own universe because a lot of their dialogue is actually commentary on the movie mm-hmm. and on the action. And that type of heroics isn't Kirk. Yeah. Kirk is a hero, not an anti hero. Yeah. He is the hero. And I just, I, 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 I have been thinking and thinking and trying to come up with. Who are the the modern actors of the right age and the right physical type if they were going to do TOS, let's say, the second five-year mission, or if they were going to do the Academy thing, which I think is a mistake? Mm-hmm. If they do the Academy thing, they should cast Young and they should cast Unknown, but mm-hmm. they won't. But if they were to do the more mature thing, I'm going, who? Who? Who can play that?
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I don't watch TV regularly, so there might be some actors on TV right now who right. Would qualify for that, and I just don't know who they are.
1: Well, and somebody pointed out one to me, and I don't know the show. That, I mean, I've never seen it. It's a show called The Supernatural. Mm-hmm. It's a young guy named Jensen, somebody or other. Mm-hmm. So, And I had no idea who he was, so I Googled him, and I found a picture. And, you know, he's very good-looking. But again, like, all the young actors right now, they're all good-looking in the same way, which is, I'm good-looking. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 they're like... Um, it, like cartoons of good-lookingness and, and sculpted abs and everything else. But I'm going, is there something beyond that? Or has their entire dedication to their acting career been working out
0: at the gym and getting facials? Yeah. Then maybe they should... It Wouldn't it be great if they found a really good stage actor? I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be really good. But, you know, it, now that we're talking about this, I'm just thinking about the difference between heroes of a, of a certain age. And I'm trying to remember now I don't watch that much T V but are there any heroes and by heroes I mean anti heroes since there are no real heroes anymore who are part of the system. Doesn't it seem like every hero in science fiction these days oh, is Oh they're outside. They're always they're a on the band outside. of renegades. And even when they, they are always a band of renegades. And even when they're in the system, they're still outside of it like they were kicked out or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean they're they're just are no heroes, I, th- I think. And, and I hope somebody corrects me if I'm wrong about this, but I, I always thought that was a great thing about Kirk is that he was part... He was the the representative for Starfleet. And as much as he did things in his own Kirkian way, mm-hmm. which was kind of pushing the boundaries, he was still Starfleet. And, and he wasn't doing things his own way just because he could. Right. He He was not turning his back on Starfleet and he was not saying that Starfleet was wrong or that... Um, the Starfleet way was the wrong way. Everything he did was because of the service that he was in. Right, right. It was to further the And end. it was what he wanted to do. He wasn't
1: forced into it because yeah. the aliens had killed off his whole family and so he had to seek revenge or, I don't know, a blood curse or God knows what else yeah. they're coming up with. But the other thing is, there, there are so many people now who play action heroes. Mm-hmm. And certainly, Damon has played an action hero.
0: Have they ever played a romantic hero? Because hmm. Kirk is both. That's true, and they, they can't do him at the academy without having some of that in there. Yeah, because he was like that then. And okay, of course. okay. If Ruth is in it, if Ruth is in it, I'm suing. If nobody calls
1: her cupcake, and not in an affectionate way.
0: <laughs> hey cupcake, hey cupcake, you're looking frosty today. I mean, they um the 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 little blonde lab technician not not meaning Ruth I mean I know but meaning a little blonde I, lab technician You know who I want her played by
1: um in uh, in the Brady Bunch movies the mm-hmm. girl who plays Jan
0: Psycho Jan
1: <laughs> okay since then I've seen her on a couple TV shows playing basically the same role which is not Psycho Jan but this totally clueless receptionist or doctor's assistant who's just like okay well you can go back in now you know <laughs> Because when good. you say little blonde lab technician, yeah. that's what comes to mind.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Not some,
1: some competent, mature
0: individual. <laughs> so I, I really wonder, if they're going to do a movie like this, how much are they going to try to jam in all of the characters that we're familiar with who could conceivably appear in an Academy movie? Like McCoy, maybe. Uh, Mitchell, maybe. I don't think they could legitimately cram in any of the other Starfleet people because they, they would have crammed there. Spock in. Well, Spock, but, you know, like Uhura or Sulu or Chekhov, they were much younger, yeah. so they would not be there. They're not in the same... Oh, place. they'll
1: meet them on the street as some kid's playing stickball or something. <gasps> you, you know, know that, it'll, it'll
0: be really... Uh, that's what I'm worried about, is that they're going to try to get everybody in there with a crowbar, just <laughs> just just for fan service, just to go, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, look, we're putting all these characters yeah. in there. we probably do, you know, some fucking obscure character from some episode who was only in there once and you know i don't know i don't know it could go wrong in so many ways i know i know it's making me really angry just thinking about it <laughs> see i think really if, if they're going to return to kirk and
1: company i think doing like the second five-year mission would be good yeah and you could cast people who are still at a charm and hotness age i mean that's a big thing they still have to be good looking but um
0: I don't know. I don't know. I also don't know what kind of stories they're going to tell. I mean, okay, a movie. It's, it's not going to be them
1: at the Academy. They'll be at the Academy for five minutes. Yeah. And then they'll sort of do Rathacon from the cadet's point of view. Yeah. You know, that they're, they, they're suddenly having to be out in outer space, and, and all the, the older regular crew is killed off, so they have to take over. And... You know, they, they've they've been sponsoring the local Y or something, so Young Aurora and Chekhov, and all of them are, are on board, too. Well, you just take this over. It's going to be kind of like, let's put on a show, kids.
0: <laughs> but we're in
1: outer space and we're fighting aliens.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. <laughs> so they're at the Academy, and then Kirk finds this ring, and it turns out, <laughs> <laughs> and he has to take it to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. With, and to Spock goes with to him throw it, and, it in the space to cracks. Throw of it of in the Doom. space cracks and Spock goes with him as his faithful manservant.
1: <laughs> okay, I could dig that. Uh, that would be
0: pretty funny. I could, could does, does Spock have to wear French maid's outfit uh, and clean? <laughs> no, but he does have to wear um uh hairy rugs on his feet. Oh wow. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hey, speaking of rugs <laughs> totally off
1: topic but not entirely. Somebody at auction just paid a a shitload of money. For a, a toupee worn by Andy Warhol, isn't that amazing? I saw. So, that. what do you think? Would our guy do it for charity? Would he wow. auction a toupee? Would he admit that it's a toupee and that it's his toupee and that if it was going to build another house for Habitat for Humanity,
0: he might do it. But you know, they'd get so much more money if it was a vintage toupee. A if it Kirk was a, a Kirk toupee, yeah, totally. Or even a hooker toupee. <laughs> There'd be people who'd pay money for that. <laughs> Totally. He might do it. I don't know. He'll, you know, as he said in the room where we were, you'll never see a bigger whore than me. <laughs> <laughs> he said that as a direct he quote. He did. He did.
1: Yep. And it's for charity, and you it's know. it's for charity. That's the thing is no matter how outrageous or how weird or how stupid sometimes the things are that Bill does, his heart is always in the right
0: place. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it when he said that. I know. That was great. <laughs> so, I don't know. This this movie thing, it, it worries me. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just find out more as it happens. And it may never happen. You know, they're just in the early stages of talking about it. I swear, I hope they don't do some
1: stupid stunt thing like find ways to get Shatner and Nimoy or any of them <sighs> in it playing old admirals or, or strange old groundskeepers or,
0: you know, whatever they're going to do. I don't think they would. You know, I'm looking at this little article. And um, by the way, I was reading from um, a site called uh, The Insider, which is at mm-hmm. Yahoo. And the guy who wrote what I just said is named Mark S. Malkin. So when I said my sources, it's not really my sources. Oh, okay. It's Mark Malkin's So God, I thought you had some really good sources. No, no. Um, but, you know, this little quote here, um, Shatner gave his blessing... What does that mean? Bill's like, he doesn't give a shit about this kind of stuff. I, I What did they do? They call him up and they go, Bill, Bill, we're, we're thinking about making another Star Trek movie and we want to have Matt Damon playing Captain Kirk. And he's like, who?
1: Or he's like, why are you calling me? <laughs> if you're not calling to say we want you
0: playing Captain Kirk, get the fuck off my phone line. I think it was probably something like that. Yeah. He just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, am I getting paid for this? No. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Click. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Call me when you're making the Boston Legal movie. Yeah. right before he hung up, he said, do you know I have two Emmys? Click. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being indebted into the Academy of TV Arts and Sciences Hall of Fame. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Abrams. You don't want me in the movie? Fine. <laughs> two Emmys. Two.
1: <laughs> How many Emmys do you have? Well, um, Damon has an Emmy, but it's not an acting Emmy. Really? I mean, not an Emmy, an Oscar. An Oscar for what? He and Affleck won Oscars
0: for writing Good Will Hunting. Oh, oh, I see. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it is a sure bet to say, though, that if he's going to be in that movie, Affleck is going to be in it, too. As something, I don't know. You know know. why? Wait, wait. If Damon's in the movie... Now, this could get
1: really good. You just said Affleck's going to get in it. And I had this vision of Affleck calling Damon and going, okay we're buds. You're in a Star Trek movie. You got to get me into a Star Trek movie and suddenly Kevin Smith is on bud. <laughs> and I me, I'm your best friend. I've been doing so many things and you are not doing a Star Trek movie without me. And suddenly it's Captain Kirk meets Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now that would be a good movie. <laughs> I would pay to see that. That would be really good. (laughs) Clerks in space.
1: You know, and and all the the, the nerd types in Hollywood who are now, some of them a big deal, Yeah, are
0: suddenly on the phone going,
1: Me too, me Me too, me too. we
0: are all going to be this. So it's just going to be one big in-joke. It's not actually going to be an entertaining movie. It's just how many of our friends... It's going to be like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which was one big in-joke. Right, right. Well... We'll keep everybody posted. Yes, we More will. news as it happens. So I think we've sort of wrapped this up. I think we have. So um, next time around... Oh, wait, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, I'll do this really quickly. Um, one of my co-workers very, very, very kindly bought me a little Star Trek collectible, which is the Star Trek action toy book. Um, and this was published in uh, 1976. published by Random House, and what it is, is a book that's made out of um, fairly heavy cardstock, and on the pages um, are printed these uh, toys that you can then punch out and fold them up to make little cardboard replicas of the toys. So um, the very first thing is called a ray gun. Now, Star Trek didn't actually have ray guns, so I'm not quite sure what the model was for this. Um, And then there's a Klingon cruiser, which looks pretty good, of course. Which looks like a bottle opener, actually. It does kind of look like, yeah, because it's got a hole in the front of it. Klingon bottle opener. Of course, these things aren't sort of scaled. Like, the ray gun is the same size as the Klingon cruiser, so (laughs) that really wouldn't work. (laughs) Thanks Um, for pointing that out, because (laughs) I was going, wow, that is some big fucking book. It's a big book. Um, A tricorder, uh, a phaser, an actual look phaser. Which is different than a ray gun. It is. Uh, communicator, which looks pretty good, actually. And these things actually move once you put them all together. Like, you can flip the, the communicator open on, on its little uh, cardboard pivot there. There's an Enterprise model. And the, they save the best for last. Oh, I didn't even see this one. There's a universal translator. Mm-hmm. This would come in so handy. Always. <laughs> Everywhere. Uh, Mr. Spock Ears. Which look pretty fucking weird, I have to say. I mean, look at how you're supposed to put them on your ears. Uh huh. That would look strange. And the very last thing, the very last thing in the book, is Captain Kirk, a little Captain Kirk doll, and he wearing has snow boots. Wearing snow boots. He has and a green shirt. He has one articulated arm that's holding a phaser. And once you fold this little thing up, you get um, a little spring unit on his <laughs> arm, so you can kind of make his arm pop up. So that he can shoot somebody with his And he goes, <laughs> My rotator cuff. It hurts. So this is a great book. Um, it originally cost two ninety-five, and I believe my friend bought it for me for $35 in a secondhand bookstore. You know what
1: the amazing thing to me about this is? This was
0: obviously, at least to me, intended to be a children's
1: toy. Yeah. You know, like a coloring book or something. But it is not all marked up with crayon. No. Some little kid has not written his name all over it. Or anything like that. This
0: is in perfect condition. It really is good. It has a little bit of a like a water or an oil stain down at the bottom, but none of the pop I don't think a child has ever been near this. No, no. It, nothing has been punched or popped or anything like this. It is really great. So this is definitely going to be going into a plastic bag. <laughs> and <into laughs> and never collection. be touched again. Yeah. Oh, and I, I just noticed the copy on the front. Put them together. Watch them move. No scissors and no paste. It's like Origami Trek. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Trekagami. There's a picture of the ray gun. This is like from the pilot, right? Didn't Didn't they have something like that? <laughs> you know what? I think that might be that little gem vibrator. <laughs> yes. With it, with the sort of dildonica attachment. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. This is so cool. So I'm very happy that someone chose to buy this for me. It's a great thing to have. Oh, congratulations. Add it to the collection. Okay, now we're really done. Uh, Okay, so we'll be back next time with more reviews and other fun stuff. Um, So we'll see you then.